As a result of that, uh, one of the first programs we did, because we were doing outreach into all of Memphis City schools, high schools in particular. We were going there. All the girls couldn't come to the adolescent parenting program. So we were sending social workers into those schools, you know, to help provide uh, mental health services. And so we started rites of passage programs in those schools. But even before we did that, we worked with some elementary schools with anyone 10 to about 13, 14. I remember we were at, um, uh, oh, not Park Avenue. Ooh, I can't remember the name of that school. But um, we were in Chickasaw Middle. We were in a couple of middle schools. And so we started there trying to teach, develop programming, what does it mean to be a responsible adult? And I would often add to that without having to drink, without having to use drugs, and without having to have sex. And if you are, eventually we got to the point of you are going to have sex, how do you do it safely? So we started, we really started with the fifth graders. Got some money from the uh, Tennessee Department of Health. And we ran those programs for several years. And then uh, also as we were working with the pregnant and parenting teenagers, doing psychosocial counseling and providing other services, then having these groups where we were talking about what does it mean to be a responsible adult and citizen? You know, the rites of passage curriculum, let the circle be unbroken, rites of passage program and curriculum was developed. A couple of things come to mind as I was listening to you. One is Trailblazer. The work that you were doing here in Memphis, no one else was doing it here at the time. And so, and, and especially at a critical time, I think in the history of, uh, of African-Americans in this city, you know, you were doing some trailblazing work. And this this curriculum, this manual that you've talked about, Let the Circle Be Unbroken, that uh, if the audience is not aware of it, they really need to become aware of it because it is the most comprehensive piece that I've seen, you know, and I, you know, I want to think that I know a lot about rites of passage manuals. I've looked at a lot of them around the country and seen people do them and, and been trained but uh but working with you in this manual uh doc i always go back to your manual <laughs> you know when i want to because you got it all there your activities and your objectives they're all there why am i trying to create something new you know when it's there who uh introduced you to the concepts of, of african rights of, of uh passage yeah i do actually remember because i was involved with freedom schools the Children's Defense Fund Freedom Schools. And actually for several years, I would go up, Marion Wright Edelman uh, would invite me up to her Freedom School training right out in, at Clinton. Um, the Haley Farm, are you familiar with that? Is that up in Clinton, Clinton, Tennessee, I've right heard, outside of Knoxville. I've heard of that. And they have these freedom schools. Memphis used to have one. I'm not sure they still have one now. But they have these freedom schools all over the country, kind of like out of the 60s when uh, with the voter rights and stuff. And they had these freedom schools that uh, young people went to 
And so she would bring um, the facilitators of these programs to the Haley Farm every year. And we would train them to uh, be able to go back into their communities and facilitate these sessions with young people. Well, while there, I got to meet some incredible people. I mean, in addition to Marion Wright Edelman, you're talking about a powerful woman. Uh, Marion Wright Edelman, uh, one of her protégés, Marion David, who was in South Carolina, uh, Anthony Browder. Anthony Browder was very, very, very um, a pivotal individual because he had a couple of books out uh, and I remember his daughter wrote a book, uh, My First Trip to Africa. So these people were talking about mm -hmm. Black people and being associated in a positive way with the continent of Africa. I should also mention that in my uh, development as, as a child out of Atlanta, being right there in the middle of the AU Center, those folk were walking around and I didn't even know necessarily who they were. The likes of Julian Bond, um, Lewis. You know, those people were right there. We called them Cassius Clay at the time. I, I recall seeing Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali, as he later became known, when he came back into the United States from um, when he had been outside for a while after the but right there in the middle of that, and so those people were knowledgeable about the value of the African-American history and also the rights of passage kinds of activities out of Africa. It didn't hurt any that I was married to a Nigerian right. who, and my brother-in-law, Dr. Shofala, had written a lot about the African culture. His, his sister, was a leading playwright out of Nigeria. She was the first African uh, woman to be recognized. So, you know, it was a lot in talking to them just about, you know, how our children need to be nurtured and nourished that was inspirational to me. So I think just a connecting of my own experience, because I had too many, too, too many adults who had taken care and nurtured me. I mean, it seemed like to me, it was just a natural thing for me also to do, was to nurture our African-American uh, kids. I was reading something just a little bit before you called, and it's in, it's in the um, acknowledgement and then an introduction in this, in my, in my book, a passage from Howard Thurman. And Howard Thurman uh, talks about dreams and children having dreams. And you actually always see this quote at the bottom of my emails and stuff. It says, keep alive a dream in your heart. A man without a dream is dead. And I, I oftentimes think that those people who helped me to keep that connection with Africa, it was so important for me to keep alive a dream in my heart. Because as I negotiated academically through all these different places that I had gone, sometimes that was all I had to hold on to was a dream. 
And so to keep alive that dream and that connection with Africa has been important. Let me let me clarify a couple of things because you've thrown out a lot of names here and, and our audience needs to go and Google these names <laughs> and research these names. Now, how would Thurman work with Dr. Martin Luther King, right? He sure did. Yeah. Yes, he did. Very influential. Uh, Daniel Moynihan was a Congress Senator, uh, maybe Speaker of the House, I'm trying to remember, but he famously uh, crafted the Moynihan Report, report. That, right. that talked about uh, African-American families not being in communities and, and researchers to uh, refute and, and, and talk about difference doesn't mean period. Uh, That's right. And, and then Marion Wright Edelman, you know, she was a major uh, figure in Children's Defense Fund, uh, an advocate for children's uh, children's rights. Uh, and these freedom schools, people need to go back and and, and, and talk about and, and look at what was the purpose of these freedom schools and why they why they existed. You know, it's an interesting you know interesting history in Tennessee. You know, Tennessee is considered a, a conservative state now. But but there there were pockets in Tennessee of people doing some really progressive uh, and innovative mm -hmm. things as far east, you know, as Knoxville, you know. So that's I, I'm glad you you mentioned those things and brought those up. Um, so we're kind of getting to the end of our time, I believe, sort of ish. Okay. Um, but what I what I like to hear you talk about because. Your influence. One of the things that I got a chance to see you do and work with you a little bit around is your mentoring of graduate students here at the University of Memphis. Uh, and I know it wasn't just here, uh, but but you did you you did some very structured and very valuable mentoring. I know some of your students now uh, uh, have doctorates and they're out doing fabulous things I haven't caught up with some of them in a while but but can you talk a little bit about um, how you got started there and and if there's a legacy you know should the University of Memphis and others be doing more of that type of mentoring of African-American graduate students and if so why that's one of the things that in the past two years if nothing else the university's failure to take advantage of some of the stuff that I was doing, they saw no value in. As at one point, I had uh, a summer program where we brought in, we brought in minority uh, students and exposed them um, to research. That we paired them with a mentor. They work with that individual around research, and I can say that several students went on, some of them came to the University of Memphis right. and got their doctorates in clinical psychology. They are, as you say, they are doing well now, but people didn't see the value in that. And I'm not sure even now they still see the value. Uh, I mean, they talk it, but actually implementing. I don't necessarily see that, but I'm not around you know, I'm not enmeshed in the program. 
I have. Um, and this was out of the psychology uh, department? This is out of psychology. This is out of psychology. I can't really speak to other departments. Um, and I have to say also, there are people within psychology with the interest of growing, developing minority psychologists. But at the time that I was there and had the pos uh, uh, possibilities of being there full time, there was not that appreciation. For some reason, didn't meet the standards. But I don't know what I could have done differently except do research. But I wasn't you know, I'm there part-time. I wasn't in a place to really devote full-time to research, but I certainly um, had some ideas about training students. And you know what? The thing also is that they came to me because they wanted the mentorship. They wanted role models. Um, and it still happens now. Right now, I have three university students that work with me because they want to do some things. They want to go on to grad school, you know, and so, you know, really they seek it out. Uh, the leadership in psychology is different now, so maybe the framework is different, maybe the ideology is different. But um, yes, we have provided some mentorship training kinds of programs, and, and uh, also not just um, the African American students are interested in those kind of things. There are other students also. You have students around you right now that are interested in reaching out to vulnerable populations. And, you know, they can benefit from being involved with people who can really open those doors for them a lot easier than maybe some other folks. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you've had actually uh, diverse cohorts of students, you know, yes. who appreciated uh, your your mentorship and uh, and of course you know I I had social work students that I was able to bring to to you also and do this work you know and the other thing that occurs to me you and Jubosa have been great mentors for junior faculty you know particularly faculty of color at the University of Memphis you know that you know working with you has been was a critical part of my development, you know, to, uh, you know, because I came, you know, I came in somewhat appreciating the importance of promoting Afrocentric values, but, but to work with you and have someone who, who had a structure and ideas and could further my development and then allow me to create scholarship for students too, that, that has been tremendously valuable. You know, I'm going to talk to, uh, Dr. Ellswood, I, I, I think we have a, an article that we need to also kind of go back and look at in regards to just kind of your legacy. I, I really want to recapture this this whole mentorship that you've done and how you did it. So uh, so I'm not done with you yet, Doc. I'm going to come back. <laughs> well, you know, Greg, I, I'll say this. I think, you know, there's plenty of room for regrets. Uh, there's plenty of room for perhaps wanting more, but what I have come and I am at peace with that the role I have played has been one that was necessary. And I may not have been able to play it in the same way that I, if I had been, you know, right there in the midst of a department, 
but rather by being full time somewhere else, being in my own, you know, practice. Because even, you know, I was at job court, but that was through my own private practice. It allowed me to be able to touch people in a way that perhaps I would not have been able to had I been devoted to some, uh, just a full-time research career, university career. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm beginning to really see that that was my role. Yeah. And I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I hear you. I think you, it gave you a freedom you know, and a and a perspective that that allows you to kind of really operate in a unique kind of way. You know, Dr. Teresa Kumua, thank you for spending this time with us, and thank you for sharing your your experiences and your legacy. Any parting words you want to give us? I'll say this: <laughs> if you get a chance, forty years ago, um, came to University of Memphis. Within the psychology department, and I saw this just the other day, that that office has changed tremendously. There's one thing on the walls in that department. It's a picture that from the Memphis community is Memphis Challenge of exposing those kids to psychology. And they sent the department a thank you. It was one of those summer programs. So you talk about legacy. That picture, and I just saw it again uh, the other day as I go in there looking in the mail room. That picture speaks to the legacy because although so many other things have changed, that department appreciates that thank you they got from those kids. They don't realize that that was a program I did, but it is there. The work is there and it'll remain there, whether they know it or not. So those are my parting words. Do what you have to do because of the love that you have and the the, the mission that is on you to give back to your community. And don't worry about the outcome, it'll be good. Ashe. Ashe, Ashe. Thank you, my sister. Hopefully, we've motivated the next generations to get out there. Uh huh. So that they won't be complacent. Right. Is that right, Miss uh, this lady over there? <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. Cross discipline. <laughs> right. That's right. All right. Thank you, Doc. Uh, I'll be in touch. <laughs>